Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Be Not Afraid comes from Ball Team, your builder of all faith-based construction needs. Learn more at buildwithball.com. Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Good morning. Welcome to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father PJ, good morning. Good morning, Father. Let us begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are blessing this week, Father, because we have an, a very interesting uh, manifestations. First, tomorrow we have the, the memory of the most holy name of Mary. Mm-hmm. And then we have, at the end of the week, on Friday, Our Lady of Sorrows. Beautiful connection in this part of our segment about the present of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So first of all, we're talking about the name of Mary yeah, we're talking about the name of Mary and the, and, and the names here, in, in some ways, much as the Assumption is a festival centered on the Virgin, but sort of directed at us. So Mary is received body and soul into heaven, which gives us the hope of being received into heaven, not only with our souls, but with our bodies. So also the feast of the name of the Mother of God is is it really looks to the sanctification of our own names. And and in order to get behind that, understand exactly what this is about, right? Is that is is we've got to look at names. Names are 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 very powerful things. Um both on a on on a natural level and especially on a supernatural level. So on a natural level, you know, when when we can call someone by name, we have a certain authority over them, right? When you're a kid and you're in trouble, you know, your, your, your mother or your grandmother calls that Patrick John McManus, you get over here right now, right? Every, every, everybody's mother has a special way of calling them. Um, when you're in love, uh, the, the novia or the novia, the, 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 the sweetheart, you, you develop pet names for each other. Which, honey. Which, honey, sweetheart, babe, whatever, right? And, and, and these are ways of, of, of sort of uh, calling on the other person. And they're particular names that you would share with each other, but you you wouldn't share with somebody else, right? So you call your wife, honey, your sweetheart, or babe. But if you call your secretary, that you're going to get in trouble. You're right? in trouble. <laughs> and so, so 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 these names are powerful, and um, we see right that that in the in in the first story of the creation, um, or in the second story of the creation, no, the first story, and then and 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 then with the man. Sorry, um, uh, God calls the man by name, but then the man calls the animals by name. Each is brought to him and he calls them each by name. And so so there's this this deep and integral connection with a name and kind of the substance of the thing, the whatness of it. And and, and so then the kind of the high point of the Torah really is when God reveals God's name to Moses at the bush. Now now God gives Moses, in a certain sense, authority or power by being able to call him by name, which means that that our own names um, likewise carry power. The name of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Queen of the Saints, the, the, the highest of the human race apart from her divine son, um, has power. 
we, we use the name over and over again in prayer. Our brothers uh, who, who work extensively in the ministry of deliverance and exorcism consistently report the name of Mary the name causes of Mary. the demons great discomfort, right? Um, and, and so the name of Mary gets used over and over. One of the, the greatest examples of this for me is in Dante. In the Purgatorio, uh, uh, Dante runs into a guy who he is surprised has been saved because he knew him and he knew that he got knifed in a brothel. And so he, he thinks, well, if the guy died in the act of mortal sin. How could he possibly be saved? And the man says, as I lie bleeding on the floor, I shed a single tear and cried, Ave Maria, Mary, the name of Mary. And it was enough. And so, so, so the famous line in Italian from this, right, is, per costo una solo lacrima, for the cost of a single tear. Um, so, that, so, so that the name of Mary here is, is, is what's powerful. Now, the name of Mary is not powerful by itself. This is only in light of her relationship to Jesus. But because at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord, then those of us who are bonded to Christ Jesus, we too, right? Our names come to have great power, which, uh, which is shown even in the book of Revelation, where God gives us a stone written upon it, our own true name. In the words... Heart and thoughts from St. Bernard says, And we say with him, Look to the start of the sea, call upon Mary. In danger, in distress, in doubt, think of Mary, call upon Mary. May her name never be far from your lips or far from your heart. If you follow her, you will not stray. If you pray to her, you will not despair. If you turn your thoughts to her, you will not err. If she holds you, you will not fall. If she protects you, you need not fear. If she is your guide, you will not tire. If she is gracious to you, you will surely reach your destination. You know, wow. it's it's kind of a commonplace in... Uh in the lives of the saints to talk about them dying with the name of Jesus and Mary on their lips. Right. And I used to think that was, uh, pious or something. Pa- uh, Padre Pio. Well, right. So Padre Pio last moment. So know? the first deathbed I was ever at was my uncle, uh, Eddie, my mom's oldest brother. I was in seventh or eighth grade and he was dying downtown at the hospital. Uncle Eddie was not a saint. Any, any, anybody in the family would be happy to tell you that. But, as he lay dying at the hospital, he was a big man, and he had a, a breathing problem, which is how he was dying, and his chest kept heaving, and his whole great big Iowa farmer body kept, it took everything just for him to breathe, and all he said over and over again for hours was, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Wow, Hail Mary, and that's how he died, and, and, and I realized, even as a little boy, like that, like death is awful, but if you gotta die... That's the way to do it. Iowa Catholic Radio, Be Not Afraid. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father PJ, if we're talking about the name of the Blessed Virgin Mary, especially for deeply concerning circumstances, and uh, before the break, you described this uh, agony moment from your uncle. Also, at the end of this week, we find the advocation of Our Lady of Sorrowful. Mm-hmm. And that advocation 
It's a very remarkable experience in terms of love. But call my attention the image from Our Lady of Sorrowful that you can recreate the sorrowful experience from the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary when faced the passion and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in, um, in another age in the church's history, um, especially when uh, a large chunk of the, of the faithful were illiterate and couldn't read, images and imagistic devotions like Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Joys, in a certain sense, the mysteries of the rosary itself, mm-hmm. right? These helped people to contemplate the mystery of Christ uh, and, and the mysteries of his life, death, and resurrection, um, the mysteries attached to such in the life of the Blessed Mother. Um, these allowed people to sort of lean into the mystery in a way that uh, uh, that didn't require them to be able to, to read the Bible directly, but because they knew the stories, right? Right. And so, and so breaking up the events in the life of our Lord and our Lady allowed the people to see that Mary is the first and best disciple, experiences the greatest of joys and the greatest of sorrows, uh, and so becomes a model for us who will all have joy and have sorrow in the course of our Christian life. And uh, what do you want to say? Like, give them the space to see their own sufferings and their own delights in light of Jesus. It's very eloquent, the face of the Blessed Virgin Mary in this image of Our Lady of Sorrows. She is in tears. Mm. And those tears describe not only the physical pain that she had been living with the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, also about sin in the world, you know? We can, in a transparent, in transcendent manner, go far from those eyes. There's a kind of thing that happens in sort of church culture um, that I at least find very harmful and destructive, um, and that is there, there's this sense sometimes that because of our faith in the resurrection, it's somehow wrong to grieve, yeah. or like you shouldn't have space to be sad or something. Um, and, and even the saints have fallen for this, right? So so St. Augustine famously St. Monica, his mother, and his son, Adeodatus, both die very shortly after his conversion, like within a few months. And uh, he's heartbroken. His mother and his son die within months of having come into the faith and within a few days or weeks of each other. But he won't allow himself to weep for her at the time because he's afraid that it'll suggest to other people that he doesn't really believe in this life after death thing. Wow. That if he lets himself be sad, that it'll somehow be a counter witness to the resurrection. That's the young Augustine at whatever, 30 or 35 when he first converts. But the mature Augustine in his 60s, when he looks back at this, the Augustine who writes the confessions, right? He says, this was a grave mistake. And if he could go back and change it, he would. Wow. Because, because he didn't grieve for his mother in the way that he should have at the front end, um, he has never then ascended the altar as a priest and not shed a tear for his mother. So I, I think it's very, very important to recognize that uh, our, our emotions, our passions, are in a certain sense uh, 
not under our control, right? So the experience of the emotion, what we do with it is under our control, but the experience of the passion itself is not, we can train it, we can focus it, but it's, it's not totally ours. And because of that, um, we don't have to feel bad for feeling bad. In fact, in a certain sense, it allows us to share more deeply in the life of Jesus because Jesus experienced the greatest of sorrows. It's like we shouldn't run away from or be or, or be afraid of of tragedy, of difficulty, of sadness. And that, therefore, especially when it comes to the death of our loved ones, if Mary wasn't afraid to weep at the death of Jesus, why would you think it's – you think you're better than the Blessed Mother? <laughs> you think you're tougher or holier than the Blessed Mother? Like – I, I can't cry because because Jesus risen from the dead. Uh, what what are you, like, uh, yes Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, our loved ones, please God, will share in in the in the resurrection of the body. But like, you're happy about this? It it, it doesn't make any sense at all, right? And I and I and I think um in some ways we we emphasize the resurrection for many years in a kind of shallow way that that then didn't allow for the real punch the resurrection is supposed to have. The only way Easter Sunday makes means anything is because Good Friday is the worst day in history. Absolutely. But if you but it, but if you skip the worst part, then you can't appreciate the best when it comes. This is why this image recreate in the the in the manner how she holding the needles that had been used. For the painful experience at the crucifixion, the same with the crown of thorns. And in an eloquent manner, it looks like see Jesus through this tender, loving, but entirely respectful attitude as a mother of God. You know? Did not uh, dramatically create or recreate any attention more than pain that eloquent speaking speaking out about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. The, 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 the traditional image of the mother of God, right, has her own heart, or the, of, of Our Lady of Sorrows, rather, has her own heart being pierced by a sword, as Simeon predicted at the beginning of St. Luke's Gospel, um, and also holding the instruments of the Passion. The other image that our listeners are probably most familiar with on this score, right, is the Pieta, the, Pieta. the, the Blessed Mother cradling uh, the body of the dead Christ. And this is very, very, very significant, right? Because um, it, like, it, it's playing off the image of the Blessed Mother cradling the baby Jesus, uh-huh. except now this is a grown man. Well, uh, mothers don't typically cradle their grown sons. That's weird and kind of creepy, right? Yeah. But, but, but this is happening precisely because he's dead. And we, and, and we can easily imagine clutching uh, the, the, the just-deceased body of our loved one to us. Um, if the Blessed Mother... Uh, can be shown to comfort sort of in that deepest agony of his, how much more does she cradle us in every one of our sufferings, in one of every one of our difficulties, even when we think we're dead, how much more is she there to offer us succor and care? Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. In this uh, 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we are in the letter from St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 14, 
verses 7 to 8, and a very providential coincidence with our topic today, Father. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, none of us lives for oneself, and no one dies for oneself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So then, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this is why Christ died and came to life, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's very eloquent, this uh, second reading for this coming Sunday, because at the same time, this week, we celebrate the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. So, the Feast of the Exaltation or the Triumph of the Cross, September 14th, is historically a very, very important day in the life of the Church, because for most of the Western Church's history, it marked the beginning of uh, of the lesser fast. So the great fast was from Ash Wednesday or whenever Lent began. Ash Wednesday is kind of late. It used to just be the first Sunday of Lent. But from so the, the great fast was in the spring in preparation for Pascha. But the lesser fast began on September 14th. Most Christians would revert to just two meals a day. Religious would typically go meatless, except on Sundays or, and high feast days from now all the way until Easter. And so it, it marks a, a kind of a penitential uh, uh, thing. Uh, it's the beginning of the fall, right? And so it's, it, it's, it's, it's attached to the sort of shift in time. Nature itself starts slowly to die. Wow. Um, and, uh, and of course, in history, what it marks is the finding of the true cross by St. Helena, uh, the, the mother of St. Constantine, who goes to the Holy Land to find the true cross um, in, uh, in order to bring it back to what's now Constantinople and, and, and really kind of create Christendom in important ways. Um, but, the, but, but the reason I think it's important for us today is that, is that from the earliest days, you know, as the church is on the ascendancy, the emperor himself has become a Christian and his family has become Christian and the empire is being Christianized. They're not playing with kind of triumphalism. They're focusing on the cross. Wow. This isn't, you know, this isn't the feast of the triumph of the empty tomb or the triumph of, of the Jesus walking around. Yeah. This is the triumph of the Holy Cross and that the cross becomes the great sign of our salvation. The cross becomes, even the traditional hymn we sing on Good Friday, uh, we worship your cross, O Lord, we praise and glorify your holy resurrection, for by the wood of the cross you've brought salvation to the world. Um, it's the reason we sign ourselves with the sign of the cross. It's the reason we trace it on our children. The, the, the cross is and ought be everywhere, um, twined in every tree, the poet says, right? So, so, so that so what St. Paul is drawing on here and what the church's calendar are, are drawing us to are the same reality. Um, the whole shape of our life and our death derive its meaning from the Holy Cross of Christ. Understanding the exaltation of the Holy Cross and make connection with the exalted that we use in Easter, both are relational, one to the light, to the eternal life at the Paschal candle, and the second one for the eternal life of Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, it's, it's very, very important that the great candle of Easter, um, that's the only time all year that a single candle is carried in procession any place. And it, and it's, it, it really, it, like in the procession, it replaces the cross. The cross. Uh -huh. 
Um, and, and, and of course what happens there, this is very significant in the procession is that, um, the normally right processions work in kind of reverse order with the most important person in the back, but that's not how the procession works on the night of, of great and holy Saturday. Instead, you have the incense and the, and, and, and the candle and then the priest. So the priest is at the front of the procession and not the back. And, and this and this is a kind of ritual recapitulation of the Exodus. You have the cloud of smoke and the pillar of fire, and then of course the candles referred to and the exalted as the pillar of fire, right? Right. This, and so, so this is just like the people leaving Egypt. You have the cloud of smoke and the pillar of fire, and Moses not at the back of the people, but at their head. So the priest stands in the breach between the people and God, just like Moses did, and 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 in a certain since the priest then leads the people through the waters of, of the Red Sea, now holy baptism, and to the joy of the promised land, typified, signified in the sanctuary of the church, and, and, and especially in the gifts that are transformed uh, into the body and blood of the Lord. It's incredible how, in a remarkable manner, this exaltation of the Holy Cross reminds us the real presence of God in our life. This redemption is not an uh, anecdotal, historical record in terms of our faith. It's more, more, more than that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's also important, friends, that, that as we listen to the epistle, you know, Father Fabian and I have been going through the epistles since, uh, since Lent, really, right? Um, uh, and the, the reason we're doing this is because the epistles carry— the earliest Christian witness here, the earliest Christian experience of wrestling with the ordinary challenges of day-to-day life and making sense of them in light of Jesus. So when St. Paul is able, to, is able to say, none of us lives for himself alone, none of us dies for himself alone, so whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. This is very common at funerals, right? And has been from the beginning because we're not independent contractors, we're not free agents, we do belong to somebody else, which is hard sometimes for us as Americans to swallow because we like to think we're independent, but is really, really important for our own sanctification. Um, we are who we are only in light of the cross of Christ. And so it's important, friends, as we experience those, those, those same struggles today, as, do, uh, as, as did those Christians in the earliest days of the church, maybe to take on some small little penance as we, as we enter this, 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 this sort of... Uh, Rude tide, um, the, the 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 time of the Holy Cross, and and to look deeply at our own sufferings and make sure that we're filling them with meaning and allowing them to to have redemptive power in light of the Lord's cross and resurrection. And I would like to use a concluding prayer, the beautiful calling that we have for this day. O God, who will that your only begotten Son should undergo the cross to save the human race, grant we pray that we who have known his mystery on earth may merit the grace of his redemption in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be not afraid. Iowa Catholic Radio. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Go forward and be not afraid. 
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Be Not Afraid comes from Ball Team, your builder of all faith-based construction needs. Learn more at buildwithball.com. 